0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, excuse me, and you're very welcome to Liveline. And 51551 is our text number to HSE website. As you probably know at this stage after the last eight weeks of uh, people being uh, unwell in various different states, some very, very serious. We've heard about A&E, but the HSE website's very, very good. The VHI website is very, very good. And indeed, when our first caller contacted us today, Stephanie, um, and there's a story behind it as well, because she did contact us before, I looked up immediately obsessive compulsive disorder, which is what uh, Stephanie was enduring. And the description in the HS on the HSE website is very clear. The pattern of OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, has four main steps. One, obsession. An unwanted and distressing thought, image or urge repeatedly enters your mind. Two, anxiety. The obsession provokes a feeling of intense anxiety or distress. Three, compulsion. Repetitive behaviours or mental acts that you feel driven to perform. These can be a response to the obsessive thought pattern. And then four, temporary relief. The compulsive behaviour relieves the anxiety for a short while, but the obsession and anxiety soon return and the cycle begins again. Stephanie, good afternoon. Hi, Joe. What do you, do you, do you identify with any or uh, all of those four? Points? I identify with all of them. Um, I started getting very bad OCD a couple of years ago. Um, and yeah, the temporary relief is something that I can really, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I can relate to because... Uh, you get your anxiety, the anxiety gives you, the. if you do the compulsion, it gives you temporary relief, but that only gives you temporary relief for about 10 minutes and then you have to do it again and again and again. Um, yeah, but I just want people to know that it will get better no matter how okay, bad it brilliant, is, brilliant. it does get better. And Stephanie, do you know how how it began for you? Well, it, it began as, um, it's a trauma, it's stuff that's happened in your life. It, that's what happened for me. Um, I lost my nana in 2010. Okay. Um, then I started developing depression and anxiety, but I was able to control it. Um, and then about six years ago, another trauma happened in my life and I couldn't control it. I started washing my hands, I started going to the sink, I started... Mm. Uh, I started isolating myself from my family, um, and that's what happened for me. But it, OCD, it, there's, it, it happens differently for different people. But for me, it was a trauma that happened in my life. And so, it's a very clear description. So, when you felt this anxiety coming on, the way you distracted, <coughs> excuse me, the way you distracted from the anxiety was to go to the sink. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, I used to go, if anything happened, I was like, right, I'm going to the sink. Um, and it relaxed me and it eased me. And that's like, that's what it says with temporary relief. It did give me relief, but it didn't give me uh, relief for a long time. It gave me relief for 10 minutes until the next yeah. thing happened. Um, and, again, I, and, it, and Stephanie, did anyone say say to you, what are you doing? Washing, yeah. your, washing your hands all the time. Uh, yeah, see, I kept it very quiet. Um, I, as a... I was ashamed of my illness, my OCD. Um, I felt that uh, why have I have OCD and there's people outside there like they have bigger illnesses than, than me. Why am I complaining? But my mum and my sister 
did notice right there's some, something that happening because she's gone to the sink again she's spinning she could spend 15 minutes at the sink her hands are bleeding my hands used to bleed like I used to wow. wash them so much that they used to bleed and to be honest I wasn't I didn't feel ever clean enough until they were bleeding because I said right now everything is off me whatever I thought was on me wow. is off me um, and then I used sanitised from head to toe uh, I used to go through bottles and bottles of sanitizer, and and I didn't really care. I wasn't thinking of oh, my skin is going to go bad. All, all I wanted to feel was clean. Um, and if it wasn't the, the sanitizer wasn't stinging my cuts, it wasn't working. That was my motto. Wow. And was um, and, and was it a distraction from your anxiety? It was. It was actually kind of more of a stress-related illness, I think. I don't think it was anxiety. I think it was more stress. Okay. The stress symptoms that were going on in my life. Um, yeah, it was. I would, I would say it was completely stress-related. No, I was so bad one stage I couldn't leave my room. I think that was the time I sent you the email. Um, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't leave my room. I used video call. My mum and my dad went away for the first time in forever, like you know. And they went to a wedding, and I couldn't leave my room. My mum had to give me a packed lunch before they left. Um, I had to video call my brothers and sisters yeah. inside in my room, and they were at the next. They were inside in the sitting room in the next room. Um, and then I realised, I was like, I can't live like this. I, I knew I couldn't live like this. I, I always knew I couldn't. But I went to a few counsellors. And now, although they were very good, now I can't complain about them, but they were very good for my anxiety and my depression. But they just weren't... Uh, I, they weren't stern enough for my OCD. Um, they weren't, just, so you said they weren't firm enough. Stern, like they just weren't, they were too nice to me. They were too nice to me, I reckon. Um, And then when I I said, right, I can't live without my mum and dad, if God forbid if anything ever happened to my mum and dad, like my family were amazing. I don't think I'll ever be able to repay them for what they've done for me. Um, But I was like, I just can't live like this anymore. Uh, This is not right. Um, I used to break down to my mum and my dad. I'm like... I don't know will I be able to go on much longer like this. Like, all I wanted to do was not be here because I was so, so lonely. I know anybody that knows my mom or my family, yeah. they know how amazing they are, like, you know, yeah, and how supportive yeah. they are. But I was the loneliest person. I was just in my room constantly, so, so lonely um, because of this. Um, and do you remember Stephanie sending us the email back in July? It's, it's, it's nearly two years ago now. I do. Um, I remember sending it because my dad listens to your show quite regularly. Mm-hmm. And he said, Steph, why don't you? He was always on to me, Steph, ringing a radio station, texting a radio station. Mm-hmm. But as I said, I was ashamed and I was afraid that people would know, like even the counsellors, even though I was like, they'll know that it's me. I didn't want my brothers and sisters to know that I was doing it. I, I actually told nobody I was doing it. Um, because I didn't want people to know it was me because, yeah. as I said, I was ashamed of my illness. Now I realised that was nothing to be ashamed of. That Absolutely. People, it's okay not to be okay, like, you know. I won't, um, I, I won't read out all of the 
email, but it's very, this part's been extraordinarily vivid. I sanitize, yeah. you've already, I sanitize from head to toe every night, my face, my hair, everything after spending an hour or so in the shower. I can't make my own food or drinks or even tea. I change my clothes five times a day and my PJs around four times before going to bed. If I don't have a shower before bed, I stay up all night long until the next morning when my anxiety eases to start again the next day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, I went a couple of nights without going to bed at all, at all. Um, I'd stay up on, in my room on my computer or something like that um, until the next day, then I'd have a shower again, hoping that the anxiety might ease. Mm-hmm. Now, it did, but I still felt whatever happened the night before, whatever I touched off of, I still felt dirty. Um, and it's not even it's not even germs or anything like that. It was more... Uh, Feeling the feeling of feeling right and clean, that kind of a way. Um, I couldn't say that it was, oh, I'm afraid that my family will get sick if I touch this or if I touch that. It wasn't. And for a long time, I couldn't figure out why I was feeling this way. Um, but then I figured out that it was the feeling of feeling right is what I wanted to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my clothes, my mum, my poor mum, she's got the washing machine was nonstop going. Um yeah. Yeah, I could change my clothes five times a day. If I went out anywhere, just say if I had to go to a dentist appointment or a doctor's appointment, I'd have to come home and take a shower straight away and take a shower that night again. And how Um, how did your, you mentioned your mum there, how did your family cope and what did they say to you, Stephanie? uh, Well, to be honest, my mum and my dad, they enabled me. um, So they helped me, you know, get through every day. Now, it was the wrong thing to do. We know that. But as I said, if I was a mother, mm. I should have done the exact same thing for my child. Um, it, you know, but it's actually, in hindsight, it's wrong. You should just not give in to the symptoms because if you don't give in to them, it will get better. But you just have to, it's a lot of work, but you just have to mm. not give in to them or don't do the compulsion. Um, and my mum and my dad enabled me because they helped me. Like if I asked ma'am, I was they like, were, oh, I have but, to. But they were doing their best. They were doing. Oh, course, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Um, as I said, I'd have done the exact same thing. But we have just since we have figured out it's actually the wrong thing to do, and that's the only is anybody suffering from OCD. I just want people to know that enabling is actually the wrong thing to do, even though you think you're doing right. To know that kind of a way. Um, and my brothers and sisters, they they were great for me, but like, but they were. It, it was tough on them. Like, you know, there was a lot of fights in the house because it was it was very tough on them. Um, yeah. And they only wanted me to get better because I'm quite an outgoing person. Um, I'm a quite uh, bubbly person and I just completely changed. My personality completely changed. All I wanted to do was be alone. And I hate being alone. In my, in my Even in the house, if everybody has gone away, I hate being alone. But all I wanted to do was be alone because I didn't want to get dirty. Um, and if I used to go out into the kitchen, I used to have to make sure that the leads were all gone and they yeah. could be gone into the sitting room and I could quite easily stay outside in the kitchen on my own drinking tea. I couldn't I couldn't make the tea. My mum had to make the tea or my dad had to make the tea. Um, they used to go into the sitting room. I couldn't go into our own sitting room. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things that I just couldn't do. And what and did, it, uh, Stephanie, what did you think was happening to you? Well, I knew it was OCD, uh, but I just couldn't, uh, 
I didn't know how to stop it. I didn't know how to cure it because it was so, it's like a bully. It's, um, it's in your head and it's mm. so, it takes over everything. I knew, I okay, I'm not supposed to wash my hands, right? I don't need to wash my hands. Yeah. But I did it because it gave me the temporary relief. Um, but it's even hard to explain. I actually knew what was happening to me, but I couldn't stop it, basically. Incredible. And you're well now, and you, you use the word stern. Now, I know, yeah. I know people getting well again. vast majority of people do. That's the... The positive, um, which, and for many people, it's different ways. Tell us how you got well again, Stephanie. Uh, well, when I text in the radio station that time, um, I text in quite a few radio stations, but somebody texted in and said EMDR, and my mum automatically Googled it. I didn't tell her that mm. I was texting in the radio station, but she heard it, um, and I was actually kind of delighted that she did hear it because then she automatically Googled it, as I said, and she got a counsellor um, in Limerick. And next thing, okay. uh, she, she rang her up and we made an appointment. And when I went in there, all my counsellors have always been, oh, Seth, poor you, you know, like, you know, this will get better. Everything perfect. It was absolutely perfect for me and it's perfect for everybody else. But for me, somebody had to be direct with me. And this lady, she said, she said something to me that day that I wasn't willing to put in the work basically and mm. that kind of sat with me and I was like I'm going to show her do you know <laughs> um, and that was kind of it no, we laugh cl- about that clicked for you that clicked for me yes, because okay. I had to work for everything all my life I had to work for everything you know and I had to even going through college I had to work and work and work because uh, it was just me I just had to always fight for stuff and when she said that to me, it clicked in my head and I'm like, no, I am able to do this and I am willing to put in the work, like, you know. Um, and I went home that day and I said to ma'am, I'm not going back, I'm not going back, I don't want mm. to go back to her. Um, and then ma'am, ma'am begged me and she said, will you please go back? And I said, right. And the only reason why I went back was because I was like, I'm going to show her because when I came home that evening from her, I didn't sanitise. I stopped sanitising. I went for my shower. I went to bed that night. I didn't sanitise. Um, and I didn't sanitise. I haven't sanitised for a long, long time because I showed her wrong, you know, and I said to her, uh, when I went back into her, I was like, I haven't sanitised since I left here. And she was delighted for me. Now, we're great friends now. Um, but And she has actually changed my life completely around. But I had to put in the work. And it is hard, hard work, but it is worth it in the end. And have you met anyone else with OCD, Stephanie? Uh, no. Um, no, I did um, I did an article in the RSCP Live uh, magazine and a few people have actually come to me and said thanks for speaking out because it's something mm. that people don't speak about. They all, I know everybody hears about depression and anxiety yeah, yeah, and yeah. this, but nobody, like, a lot of that leads to OCD and a lot of people don't talk about OCD and it actually quite a lot of people didn't reach out to me and says I have the same problem or I went through the same thing um, and thanked me for talking out. But I was only talking out. I wasn't looking for recognition. I was only kind of talking out because I wanted people to know it does get better because I remember being in my room crying to my mum and dad saying that, like, I don't want to be here. I don't, like, I can't continue my life like this. And I was at a very, very low place in my life. Um, And... Now, when I look back, 
I'm like, it was all like, I got through it. I was able to get through it and I got through it in a very short space of time. Now, as I said, I'm not 100%. I can't work with people still. I can't, like, I find it hard to go out. But I'm getting there. I go for nights out with my, my sister and my brothers. Right. Um, when I come home, n- n- people don't see that when I come home, I spend two hours inside in the shower. Do you know, that kind of a way. But it has to it has to work both ways. Like, I did go out, and that's what I have to take. And then I have to work on, right, cut your shower down to an hour, cut your shower down to 20 minutes. Do you know, I can work on it that way. Um, but yeah, I just wanted people to know that it does get better, that there is counsellors out there. Um, and what I think is counsellors are like, you know, the tablets, they say the antidepressant tablets, every tablet doesn't work yeah, for point, everyone. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think, when I think back, and I'm like, counsellors are like that as well. This counsellor that I have now, she might work for everybody, but another counsellor would. And I just think that people shouldn't stop trying, right, okay, now I went through six or seven counsellors and I'm like, I was giving up. I was like, no, I can't. And only for this lady, like, uh, I would have given up. Um, so okay. there I'll, is somebody out there for you. Okay, I'll talk more about that after this, after this break. I'm talking to Stephanie. Stephanie contacted us. She's obsessive compulsive disorder. She had, and that's the initial contact. But uh, she contacted us again to say that she's... Uh, uh, come, coming through it, have not uh, gone through it, and she just explained how uh, that happened for her. We'll be back. Oh, wait, 0817158155551 is our text. Talk to Joe on 0818715815. Talk to Joe on 0818715815. We're talking about uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. I've been contacted by Stephanie. John, good afternoon. Hello, Joe. How are you doing? Great Good. show. Uh, I'm, I am. Uh, 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 I suffer from OCD, mm. and basically, how how it all started off was back in the eighties. I was held at gunpoint, and in in ninety six, I was attacked by five drug addicts, and they had two nervous breakdowns, and then I became an alcoholic. And I suffered with alcoholism for eight years, and I went into the Rutland and got recovered. But when I come home from the recovery, I started collecting papers, and it came uh, a compulsive disorder that I the papers the whole house was full of papers, and I live on my own. And the family got worried because I said it was a fire hazard and they cleared it out for me. And good enough for my nieces and nephews and all to help me to clear out the stuff and the whole lot. But after that, slowly but surely, I started giving stuff into charity shops. And I ended up, I'd take stuff into the charity shop and I would come out with more than I would go in with. And then I quit going Mm. into charity shops and then I started collecting CDs and DVDs. And it, it, it got it got out of hand. I quit buying CDs and DVDs, and then I started uh, buying uh, clothes and shoes and stuff like that. I've I've the whole house, every room in the house is full. The ground floor, I only have me sort of bedroom, and me bedroom and me me hall and part of me kitchen. And I sort of have it like a mouse trap. I go in from my front door. When I arrive at home with my groceries, I mm. go straight to the hall, into my kitchen, put my stuff in the kitchen. 
and uh, I eat, eat at the table and then I go into my bedroom and watch my television but I sort of isolate myself but people in the ordinary world if they met me they wouldn't realise I suffer from OCD because it's an unacceptable uh, disease mm. that people sort of think uh, when they see you buying stuff, they don't say that. But that person suffers from OCD. Point, yeah. But I went to four different clinics. I went to two HSC clinics and two private clinics, and I I I I would go well for maybe a month or six weeks, mm. and then I'd have a relapse. And when I relapse, I would uh, I would embellish. I would. Overload with buying stuff, you know. Okay, and you saw it as a way of dealing with your anxiety, John. Yeah, putting, yeah. Putting... And, and what the girl said there, the girl Steph- ahead of me Steph- was brilliant. Steph- Steph- she Steph- actually yeah. phrased everything word for word to what I'm going through: loneliness. Even though I have a loving family and a caring family and good mm. relatives and good friends and all, I suffer from loneliness more so than anything even though if I was with you I I was at one of your shows in Belfast mm. and I said there was about 200 people in it but even though me and that group of 200 I w- felt lonely I felt isolated Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very hard thing to explain, Joe. And are you, are you, uh, and you, you, you use a phrase, I come into my house and it's like a mouse trap. What, what do yeah. you mean by that? I, 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 I just sort of head, I, I head uh, compulsively straight to me, to me hall. I don't bother going into my parlour because my parlour's all filled with stuff I can't get into it. Okay. And I go straight to me hall and the hall is scattered with stuff. Right. And the the kitchen is gathered, and I just have space at the table for one chair to eat me lunch. And I I deliberately make sure I eat me lunch at the table, and I get out of bed and the whole lot. And I st- I I lay on top of the bed watching the television, okay. even though I have a fifty five inch television in my front room, I can't get in to watch it. And John. But do you think you need help? Or are you? Are you? Are oh, you? I definitely do, Joe. Okay, Joe, yeah. I definitely do. I definitely do. You know, and like my families have tried different things about mm. even saying about put me like for me to go into a nursing home. You know, yeah, that, yeah. That, that I having a life that I should have, and I agree with them a hundred percent. They're not being cruel. I know they're being not. Honest, I know they're not. And but John, I can't, but John, I can't it, accept it. Okay, but if you were to, if someone was to come and clean out your your, not clean out—that's the wrong word—and because it's not dirty, but to empty out your living room, how what what feeling would that create in you? A fear, a fear. Hmm. Uh, it, it it would it, it would be like the it the the best way I can explain it to you is it'd be like going through the trauma of the being held at gun attack yeah. and the attack on on me with the drug addicts. Yeah. I, I guess a, a an awful inside fear. You know what I mean? And it's it, to you if I if you saw if you were saying in, in a, one of the supermarkets or one of the retailers and you saw a jumper. 
you know, you could pass it and you might say to your wife, it's a nice jumper. But to me, it's say, I must buy it now because it won't be there tomorrow. Yeah, even okay. though I have 40 jumpers. So you, Do you know what I mean? You become obsessed with, with getting yeah, a jumper. Yeah, I became okay. obsessed. And like I've even tried different things of going into town with no money. But you can't go into town with no money because you have to pay for a cup of coffee or minerals or something like that. But I tried to reduce... So, the, you, wouldn't, so you wouldn't buy anything? Yeah, so and, I wouldn't buy anything. And did that, did that but work? The, what the problem is with that is okay. I, I would go in and I would have... Uh, I don't, you see, thank God I've recovered from the alcoholism. Great, yeah, but, well done. Uh, uh, basically, I, I meet some friends for coffee uh, during the week. Mm-hmm. And the one part about it is uh, it's, uh, uh, they might go around the shops to have a look and I go with them. And I would see something... And compulsively, I wouldn't have the money to buy it. But the following day, I would go in and buy it, even though I didn't need oh, it. I know what you mean, yeah. You know, And you, like, you said at one stage there, John, that you were bringing stuff to charity shops. So you were moving. Yeah, I moving was trying. In. And how, how did you get into that position where you were doing well? I, 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 I was going through a phase... Do you know when you're on holidays and the the, the holidays going right for you, yeah. and you feel in a, a, a mood lift, like a, yeah, a, yeah. A, not a high, but a, a, a mood lift that you feel so good in yourself? You say, right today I'll do it. Yeah. You know, like even this morning I got up with the intention of doing that to, to fill a bag and fill the clothes and the whole lot. And, like, I even told relatives not to buy me stuff for Christmas, just give me vouchers, and I, I wouldn't use them till later in the year. But as soon as the first week in January came, I was in yeah. changing the vouchers, you know what I mean? I thought, I thought that way with not having the materialistic things around me, I wouldn't do. Now, I've started in the habit of taking people out, going out for lunch with people, and rather than them buying me anything, I would buy them lunch. So I'd spend the money on entertaining to try yeah, and get the yes. loneliness out. Yeah. And it's more loneliness with yeah. people. The majority of people that suffer from OCD, it's loneliness that is happening to them. Society has got sort of uh, uh, on, on, uh, not on relationship. Uh, people are that busy with their own lives yeah, and their so. own families. And you, I, don't, I don't know exactly where you live. I know the, the, the last day upstairs, but well, John, are you living in a city? Would there be any group you no, could... No, a town, a town. town. Well, is, there, is there any group in the town that you could get involved in? Well, I, I keep saying to myself, you see, with people with OCD, they've great intentions, but mm. it's to put the intentions into fact. Do you know what I mean? I was thinking the men shed, the library, you know, even uh, a volunteer, you see, and I'm disabled, which is a disadvantage. Okay. You know what I mean? And, and how, uh, how so would you describe yourself? How are you doing at the moment? At the moment, I'm on a low. I'm on oh, a low, okay, to be yeah. honest with you. Okay. You know, and the one part about it is, it's nothing wrong with my family. My family are extra that, good. Yeah. But the one, the sad thing is, they have their own lives to lead, and they, they are. I mm-hmm. would be the second youngest in the family. 
you know what I mean? But the the one part about it is they mean as good as to help, but the only person that can cure a person with an addiction is the person themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? It took me eight years to recover from alcoholism. Well done. You know what I mean? Well, that's a, mag- that, that's a magnificent... Yeah, but the is, recovery from alcoholism is a magnificent achievement, John. Yeah. Well yeah, done. Yeah, like I'm 20, 22 uh, years recovered um, now, you know what stay, I mean? Stay well, um, today well, is another day. Yeah. And, uh, I'm recovered today. Nobody knows what exactly. the power can bring. Well, that's the right you know what I mean? Okay, stay with us, John. Stay listening. Ashling, Ashling Smith. Ashling right, is listening to you. Stephanie and John. Go ahead, Ashling. Your your experience. How are you doing? Your experience. Yeah. So I I very uh, you know a lot, a lot of you're saying there kind of resonates. You you feel extremely lonely. You just feel abnormal. There's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Um. So uh, you just feel very isolated from everyone else because you feel you're you're abnormal it's exhausting because you know i i yeah. did everything four times so every you know I'd, I'd walk from my house to the gate and then i'd run back and forth four times um I, and i i I'd do that with everything and what were you doing um, were you checking or what were you doing so there's all so there's all different kinds of ones why so there's your fear of um of, of of you know fear of contamination or getting sick so you'd be washing your hands a lot uh, fear of something bad yeah. happening, so you'd be you'd be checking. You know, I yeah. checked the cooker. I'd yeah, I'd yeah. be staring at sockets that had nothing plugged into them, and I I'd, I'd be looking, and then I'd go out the door, and I'd have to come back and look at the socket again. You'd be worried. You'd really, be worried. Yeah. Yeah, be worried something was plugged in, or this, something would go on fire. Or the the worst thing was 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 going to happen. Um, I I had the kind of hoarding a bit as well, so mm. uh, just really afraid to throw anything out. Now, not as as as, as bad by that side the sounds of it, but still keeping everything mm. and not wanting to keep it or knowing what why. Was, can you can you? What was the hoarding hoarding doing for you? Was it putting a structure on chaos? Was it putting a structure on your life? I think well, I, I, my, my big thing was kind of being uh, scared of death or or things mm. ending. So I was really scared of letting anything go. If I throw this okay. out, it's gone forever, and that's it. Um, and also, I kind of had like a, a, attributed feelings to things, to objects, and so my clothes that I, I wouldn't want to throw something out. I'm actually looking at something right now that should be thrown out, and I can't because I feel mm. that it, it would be mean to it, as if the as if the cardigan had feelings, and I'd be I'd be hurting them if I threw it out. And Ashley, did any did any of your friends, family notice? It took me about 20 minutes to go to the toilet. I'd be in the loo and I'd be doing routines and rituals. Yeah. So they'd be, they'd be waiting for me. And um, my poor mum just thought I was a, a, a chronic timekeeper. I'd, I'd have her demented. I, I, I wouldn't be able to leave the house. Um, but no, I had to. I, I was very good at keeping it secret. You come up with. Uh, you know reasons why you're doing things or kind of lies mm. or and it's it's so irrational that people they, they're not going to assume there's something wrong um so i i in in the end i had to tell them now when i told them they all yeah. agreed it made perfect sense um but i did have to i did have to say it and lo- looking back on it i deep did you think you were unwell? Is that is that a fair phrase to use? Is it unwellness or is it just a way of coping with anxiety? 
Um, yeah, no, I, I, I knew there was something wrong. And I like the CTV, I, I kind of knew it was OCD. There's different mm. uh, shows, Home and Away or Scrubs, or you'd, you'd see it and you'd kind of know, but you just felt, I, I just felt anyway, um, that how how could you cure this? How could you, mm. you know, there's no, like, I, I couldn't see, you know, what, what you do. So I, I, I knew that there was something really wrong. Um, the big thing as well is, I, I, I don't know, in, in intrusive thoughts. So you're worried about things that you might do. Um, and that stops you from mm-hmm. seeking help because you don't want people to think you're uh, crazy. You don't, you don't yeah. think people will mm-hmm. understand that you have this fear of something that you'd never do because that's insane. Stephanie used the phrase that she was ashamed of it. And oh, she, yeah. Hey, Huge. Yeah. Shame, guilt, why, why, fear. Why are you ashamed of it? Because the things you think are terrible. You, yeah. you, and you, you think that if you're thinking them, there must be something wrong with you. And if you're thinking them, there must be a chance that you would, you know, hurt someone you love or, or that you yeah. would jump in front of a bus. And that it's so irrational that your friends and family won't be able to... Um, talk to you about it or relate to you anymore stay with us Ashley because I know you've you've uh, ri- written a piece and, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes but uh, Jimmy Blake Jimmy Joe at RT.ie 51551 is the text number Jimmy your experience please yes Joe I got it um, I got OCD now about 35 years ago okay. now at the time no one really understood even myself what OCD was um, it's not as prevalent now that people can understand it and see it on, on programs and things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very, very confusing at the time. I could not understand what was wrong with me. I had the contamination one. Okay, uh, cleaning, washing all the time. Cleaning my hands constantly, four-hour baths. You'd come out of the bath, five minutes later, you'd feel dirty again. Um, cut-and-touch door handles, light switches... Um, it got so bad that I really couldn't eat because yeah. even if I if I prepared the food, like was the plate clean, was the fork clean? <clears throat> Excuse me. So I lost a lot of weight. Um, in the heel of the hunt, then I couldn't. Um, I wouldn't open my mouth because I was afraid that germs would go into my mouth. <laughs> so yeah. I couldn't talk. Yeah. I couldn't leave the house. Yeah. Because I was afraid of a scene, say, farmer on the street, or maybe a, a spot of blood somewhere, I'd get contaminated. I'd get something, and then I would give it to my loved ones. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Yeah, so that was your anxiety and your worry. It's all to do with anxiety. OCD is all to do with anxiety. Um, there's many forms of OCD, like the con- contamination one, the obsessive thoughts, and uh, the hoarding. But they're all, it's all based on the one thing. It's all anxiety. Um, it's very, very hard to get rid of. Um, I don't believe, uh, I, I, I feel like I'm an alcoholic uh, not drinking. Mm. And when you become an, an alcoholic, you're still an alcoholic, you might be drinking. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I have my OCD. I will always have OCD. I have to learn how what my triggers are, what sets me off. Mm-hmm. I've been fine for 18 years. Great, great. Until COVID came. Ah. Well, take, well, can you take us there then, Jimmy? What happened? 
Um, well, just for instance, your show, Joe, you, every 10 minutes you'd say, wash your hands. That's true, yeah. Um, everyone, you'd see on the telly, wash your hands, wash your hands. Uh, mind you don't get contaminated. Don't touch things in shops. Wear masks. Yeah. Uh, constantly put um, uh, gel so, on your hands. Remember, your hands. people were advised to clean their groceries when they... Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, everything okay. was contaminated. So I got very confused um, and had a little bit of a relapse and had to go into hospital. But I was... I, I, I learned then what what had caused it. It was the triggers. I was seeing people walking down the street and maybe they'd used their elbow to uh, yeah. hit the... Yeah. to cross the road. Um, and it, what, was it, what about people wearing masks, which a lot of people, obviously, and everyone was during the pandemic. It, it just... It people felt... Some, yes. It felt like everything was contaminated. Everything was. Um and I I just couldn't go back that way. So I was constantly fighting it in my head. So what I'd do, if I was crossing the road, I'd go up and I'd press the button with my finger mm-hmm. and then lick my finger. Because mm-hmm. I have to go the complete opposite. I can't go back to the way it was. Um, I would have been that person opening a door with my, my uh, elbow. Um, yeah. or turn on a light switch with my, my elbow. Um, but even at that, I would still wash my hands 200 times a day. Um, and Jimmy, how did you... You said you've been generally well for 18 years until COVID and all those triggers. Um, and how did you manage to get well? Uh, I think it was two things, really. One was a fantastic um, partner. She's okay. my wife now. She stood by me all Brilliant. these years and was always there for me. Uh, the second thing was I found a fantastic psychiatrist. Um, and he was uh, uh, James McGuire. He was uh, the head uh, psychiatrist over in RD. And he was fantastic because he was strict. He took absolutely no crap whatsoever. Mm. Uh, he would give you an exercise to do. And if you didn't do it, he he has told me just go don't don't come back, and then I think oh shit I was getting better I can't not do what this man tells me to do so he eventually got me with um, uh, cognitive behavioural therapy yeah. and uh, you, you take uh, the certain um, antidepressants okay. the SSRIs the the, yeah. the serotonin inhibitors with the serotonin inhibitors yeah. they work very well with people with OCD so. Between them two and a lot, a lot of hard work, and and recognizing my triggers, recognizing, okay. you know, if I'm unwell, if I'm physically um, under stress, um, so anything went, like that. Yeah. So you yeah. went, you went, you went to professionals. Now Stephanie and indeed Ashley mentioned, um, and John, I think as well mentioned, people were they were ashamed of it. Were you? Would you hide it? Oh, you? very much so. Very much But so. how could you, like you said to me at one stage, I used to spend four hours in a bath. How can you hide that? What's, <laughs> first of all, what's the, what's the practicality of it? How do you, does the water not uh, freeze? You start on your toes and you woke up. Um, and like even at that, I used to, um, I would always have Dettol in the bath. Yeah. Um, I would go to the, to the, to the extreme of actually uh, taking up a scoop of water in my hands and putting it into my mouth 
um, and or I mean into my nose and sucking it back down my throat and spitting it out so that oh I could gosh. clear my nasals oh completely. Like it was, it was crazy stuff. Yeah. It was crazy. And then stuff. it just spirals and becomes unmanageable. It becomes you. You actually start off. Uh, you know, say living outside and then saying, no, I can't touch that door handle or what have I seen sick on the street? So you go into the house, so you're closing the box even smaller. And then you say, oh, right, I can't use that toilet, I only can use this toilet, and then you make the box smaller again. And eventually the box is that small that you're sitting on the couch and you're not able to talk. Okay. You're going, so, you're receding further and further into yourself. In and in, you keep closing the box and make it smaller and smaller. You keep making your world smaller and smaller so that you don't, you're not as afraid. But, um, yeah, okay, you have, a, you have a structure around you. Or, yeah, you're yeah, trying to you, play, you, constantly make it safe for yourself, but it doesn't work. Okay, um, okay. Say, 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 say with us, Jimmy, and Ashling and uh, John and Stephanie, Joe at rt.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Stephanie contacted us about obsessive compulsive disorder and how she recovered from it. Uh, Ashling, who also uh, suffers uh, from it, but you've, you've written a play, Ashling. Yeah, so I, I wrote a play. It's called uh, OCD Me. Um, okay. <laughs> very me, original. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, it's a fifty minute one woman show um, about about having OCD and uh, coming to terms with it and kind of my story, I suppose. And what do you um, hope people for help? What do you hope people will go away with at the end of your piece? Uh, well, I kind of uh, hopefully it's it's entertaining. It um, has a few laughs uh, in it, but yeah. really it, it it gives a, a kind of a visceral insight into what OCD is and, and what it can be like to to have it. Um, so you you kind of see the actor on stage, mm. and she uh, tells you what it is, but then also demonstrates it, kind of kind of shows okay. you. And do you think a lot more people have it than we realise? Yeah, I think it's I, I think it's one in ten. I'm not I'm, I'm not sure yeah. um, what the statistic is, but it is. It's 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 very prevalent, and it's you know it's it's people of all ages, and it's it's even children as well. Um, uh, it's because a lot of it is about control, kind of trying to control your environment and control your emotions. Um, so it it it, it can really affect anyone. And the funny thing about the show is, is I, I had never met anyone with OCD before, mm-hmm. and now I've met about twenty people. Okay. Um, and we've all kind of quite similar experiences. And then people who haven't OCD at all might relate to certain aspects okay. of it. So some bits are, you know, we, we all have kind of different fears or people have different quirks. Um, and so people might relate to different bits of it. But it as a, as a whole, as, as one um, kind of thing that attacks one person's life. But the, it, that's a singular experience. But the message is, and hopefully I'm interpreting it, the message is from yourself, Ashling, and Stephanie, I'll go back to you in a second, is that there is hope. There is hope. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. There's, 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 and there um, is help. There is help and hope. There is help and hope. And, and, and unfortunately, a lot of the help is, can be very, you know, costly. I was, mm, okay, uh, point, like, you yeah, know, yeah. people saying, you know, seeing a psychiatrist or 
seeing yeah, a therapist yeah. and it's um cost money. It does cost money, unfortunately, and um it, it, it does take uh time but there's there's an awful lot of great organizations, O O C D Ireland and okay, great. you know, different places to to go and I suppose you're not alone. You're not alone and you're not some kind of pariah, basically. Yeah. And Stephanie, is that your message as well, that, that there is help and there is hope? Yeah, there is. You just have to, <coughs> excuse me, you have to look and you have to put in the work. Um, but there is definitely help out there. And as I said, not to stop at one counsellor or psychiatrist, just keep going until you find the one that's right for you. And as I think it was, was it Jimmy that said, the counsellors, the strict ones are probably the best ones to go to because, I don't. You're half afraid of them when you want to prove them wrong, kind of. Um, and I think that's a real. Uh, it helped me, and it seemed to help Jimmy. Um, so I think for OCD, I think you need somebody that will bully your OCD back, basically, because OCD is a bully. And in, in your case, that that was the almost by by treating it as an imposter. Yeah, and you have to externalise your OCD. You have to talk to it and you have to say, get lost, basically. Um, that was a real help for me, uh, the externalising your OCD. Um, it kind of, like if I was in the shower, I'd say, right, I can't go to bed. I don't feel clean enough. And I'd keep mm. saying that to myself. And then at the last minute, I'd say, right, I'm going to bed. Do you know, kind of fool your OCD as well. There's a lot of tips and tricks from counsellors that you get. Um not all of them will work, but there is a lot of them that do work. Um, you, it, it's a lot of hard work and you just have to keep pushing and pushing. Um, and as even I can relate to Ashling, the intrusive thoughts, OCD can come at you from any different... If you're getting better with your OCD with cleaning, it can come at you from a different way. It can come at you, right, you're getting intrusive thoughts. You just have to know what your the triggers are and the thoughts are you know that they're all to do with OCD and just not let OCD bully you basically Okay and Jimmy you're you're, 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 you're hopeful as well obviously because you Yes I think I it's, it's, it's unfortunate that um, because uh, OCD is so intrusive into your life you, do, you don't learn OCD overnight so you're not going to be cured overnight. Uh, and unfortunately, to to get better, mm-hmm. you you need... It's very labour-intensive uh, for any psychiatrist or therapists. Like, it's one-on-one. And okay. with the health system and the mental health system we have in this country, it's, you know, there's a lot of people just suffering at home because they, they can't get to a clinic or they can't get to a hospital because... They can't leave their, their home because that's, you know, that's where it is. That's where the fear is. That's where, you know, the fear is going out of the home. So, unfortunately, there's not a lot of people that can go to people's houses and work. One, I was lucky I had a, a doctor that worked one-on-one with me for hours and, you know, absolutely months on, on months. And it worked. And it does work. And you can get completely um, symptom-free. And as Stephanie was saying, you, mm. it will come at you again somehow. You know, if you clean, if you stop the clean, cleaning, it'll come at you from the obsessive thoughts. It'll try and sneak back in. Yeah, yeah, the imposter, it's a, yeah. It's a, 
devil like that. Yeah. Uh, and you can find that the people with OCD to the loved ones that won't know it's coming back because the person with OCD is very deceptive. And we can hide it very well um, until it's too bad. And then uh, it's it, it's kind of too late. You kind of have to get back into therapy then and, and, and learn from scratch again. But um, there is help out there and it you can live completely symptom-free. Okay, good stuff, good stuff. Well, well stay well, um, everybody, and there is help when all those details and organisations are in rte.ie forward slash helplines. Joe at rte.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. And Joe at rte.ie, planning permission in the news over the last... A few days, well, it's said about the news, in fairness. Um, Frank O'Rourke has contacted us. He's in the United States of America, in San Francisco. Frank, what's your situation and what's your dilemma? You want to come home. Yeah, how are we doing, Joe? Good. Um, I have a young family out here, wife, two kids, boy and a girl. My um, my boy is like five and a half, and the girl is like, she's, she'll be two in February. And um, I applied for planning permission at home through a local councillor and um, an engineer. And uh, just to ask the checkouts, my family's land, which is like less than a kilometre outside a small place called Clashmore, County okay. Waterford. Yeah. And um, yeah, everything was good. They said, right, it's suitable. Nothing, no issues with the roads. You've like 50 metres clear view or whatever when you come out. And um, it's my family's land. It's been in the family name with 100 years. And um, my younger sister and brother already have a house on the land. And there's plenty of room where I want to put the house um, in between my sister's house and another house. Okay. So everything was good. I um, done all the necessary paperwork that was asked of me. There was like 15 or 16 different items that I had to get. Some of it was ridiculous stuff altogether. Like they were looking for photos of me working on the land when I was a young fella. Yeah. I mean, my father worked in the glass factory in Dungarvan, and uh, he'd done like 25 years inside there, so the farming was a kind of a side thing for him. Um, he was very keen on the farming. He wanted to keep it going. So in the evening time, we used to go up and feed whatever cattle that we had on the land. And, um, I mean, Jesus, we hadn't even time to stop and take a photo. There was no photographs. Course, Cameras yeah. or nothing to do anything like that back then. But, um, and they, were, no, Frank, they, they were they were looking for evidence that you were telling the truth, is it? Yeah, they were looking for basically evidence, the reason why I want to go home. So the reasons mm. why I wanted to go home was I like I want to put them through the school system in Ireland, yeah. grow up, play football and hurling like I did with my friends at home in Ireland. Um, I want to be close to my my mother and my family. We're a very close family. My mother is like in her early 70s there now and she's active and all that. But I mean, I, I'm in San Francisco with 12 years and I done, I've, I've been in Boston with eight years and I've done six months in New York. So like my time in America is done. I'm done. I want to come home. I basically want to come back, give back to the community, yeah. get involved with the local GA club, help out with the local tiny towns, which I did before I left. I just want to give back and like my brother-in-law who married my sister they moved home from New York three years ago 
And, you know, I want to set up a business with him. And, you know, he, we're involved in carpentry. I'm involved in construction. That's what I do. And uh, I want but, to go home. It's yeah, time but to what, go home. I, I'm I mean, baffled as to why you're being, you've, you've been refused twice now. Yeah. Well, the first time I was refused, the argument was that I was going to go back and farm the land. So they came back to me and they told me that I hadn't enough evidence to farm the land. One being that the land wasn't entirely transferred over to my name. The second was that um, the, the sheds that we said that we were going to build on the mm. land wasn't big enough. I mean, it was just absolutely ridiculous. My mother signed something with the solicitor said that I was going to get the land and they have all this information. They weren't happy with us. So then I applied a second time. The second time I applied, the argument was that there was a need for tradesmen in Ireland. This was the approach that we were going to do. This was all done through my architect. Okay. And he was dealing with a local planner that works in the Dungarvan area. And the local planner was basically telling him the information that was needed. And he was telling me what to get. And I got him all this information. The amount of people that got me stuff at home that had, I had to track down. My sister had to track him down as well. And uh, we get all so these So the second time Waterford... The second time Waterford City and County, County, County Council said no, what was their reason the second time? The reason the second time was that um, it was going to be in a... They wrote down this thing, um, I have it here, but it's just absolutely ridiculous. They're referring to all these articles and amendments and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. But basically they used the word encroachment and a hindrance to the local uh, rural environment. So, I mean... At the moment, there's a farmhouse and a farm shed there that's falling down, that's an eyesore. It's been derelict for the last 20 years. That's where I was going to put the house. That was going to be knocked, and that's Mm -hmm. where I was going to put the house. There was no issue whatsoever with the size of the house. I'm not this big shot coming back from Ireland with all this money that I made, trying to to build this big house. I just want a small, simple house for my family, suitable, like, for my family. And basically, I want to come home, like, I mean... People, the TDs coming on radio here and they're preaching about like there's a need for tradesmen in Ireland. I'm a tradesman. I want to come home. I mean, it's harder for me. It was hard for me to leave Ireland in the first place when I left. I know they're making it harder for me to get back to Ireland. It's totally just, oh, it's just a joke. Like, I mean, the system is failing me, and there's other people like me that simply want to return home. There's a lot of people out here in San Francisco listening to me on the radio this morning, tradesmen and men and women mm. that are in the same situation. And you're, a, ca- you're, you're, same a, ca- you're a carpenter by trade. I'm trying to hear yeah. yeah, I'm a carpenter uh, by trade. So and yeah. what are you saying? That other tradespeople will come home? If they could. There's other people. They're not even tradespeople. There are other people that want to go home, that yeah. have land at home that's suitable for a house to build on, and they're being turned down for just ridiculous, ridiculous reason. I mean, they're baffling us with this amendment and articles, yeah, all this kind yeah. of word. I mean, Dion, I got a, one reason. Well, I, 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 read a, I read out the statement they gave us. Housing, persons with a demonstrable social need to live in a particular local area, area would include those that have lived a substantial period of their lives, seven years or more, in the local rural area. That's a, that's a yes tick for you, isn't it? That's yes. Well, not necessarily. Well, it is when I, I left Ireland when I was 24 years of age. Yeah, so you That's lived... when I left Ireland. Yeah. But you lived here for 24, 24 years. Yeah, I lived there for 24 years, but there on about the, the area is like a kilometre outside the village of Cashmore. Cashmore is a tiny spot, right? Okay. We have the same local church, the same one shop 
But it's a, the, the purpose area, of this pod, a local area. Sorry, I don't mean to cut across you. I'm just trying to trying to highlight the the the, the uh, absurd nature of the refusal for you, uh, Frank. A local area for the purpose of this policy is defined as an area generally within a 10k radius of the applicant's former place of residence. A generally. Yeah, but it doesn't say strictly within a 10k radius. It says generally within a 10k radius. What does generally mean yeah. in that context? Generally uh, means know, a, yeah. generally means 11k, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Mean, that, that, that there's some leeway. We used to walk from my family house up to the farm in the evening time there and during the day just to check in the cattle while my father yeah. was at work. I mean, we walked the land. I know the farm. I cycled up to a farmer that was like probably three miles away. Uh, when we gave up our farm there, there was a local farmer next door and he took over the farm. So I still wanted to do a bit of the farming and yeah. there was a local farmer who passed away there a couple of months ago and I used to cycle up and help him I mean, Jesus, I was met with a, an empty trailer and a tractor to go out to the field and pick stones there and come back when it was full. And that was done twice a day and I had to cycle home after. I'm not preaching about how hard I worked or anything like that, but I'm well used to doing farming. Mm. And, I mean, we're not sure you have hard work, I tell you that no, now. Yeah, <laughs> but my glass is always half full. I'm hopeful. Okay. And yeah, are you going to reapply, Frank? I've, Joe, I'm after applying three times already and I'm just met with the same ridiculous... Yeah. reason the whole time this encroachment I mean there's no encroachment the people know who I am that want, that want they want me to go back there I know all the neighbours like I mean I, like I said I want to give back to the community well, what, do what, do the what do they want what do they want a petition what do they want what do they want from I haven't even got a phone call off anyone like I was told before the meeting that I had a lot of people on my side there was councillors and uh, there was other people that were on this meeting that were on my side. The local planner that was dealing with my architect, he was telling my my architect everything that was needed, and I got everything that was needed. Yes, when it came to the meeting, there was one person. Okay. One person turned me down, and that's all it takes. And that one person comes up with this walk. Okay, I don't, I don't, don't know the individual, but did, did, are you allowed to appear in front of this committee to that well, you decide your future? That's your option. You appeal, the only okay. option I have is to appeal to Blower Planet and you know what's going on yeah. there. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a long delay apart from nothing else, yeah. The yeah, well, you're talking about nine months, but I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to get into it. Well, 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 yeah, but nine months for you, Frank, is another school year, isn't it? Sorry, what's that, Joe? It's another school year. You 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 say you want your children to yeah, be back in well, the community. Is, and my young boy there, like I said, Three years ago, I applied for planning, and the reason I'd done that was to stop my small bike to go to primary school out here. He started primary school in September. I don't want to go to school out here. It's not safe, Joe. You what know do you, how. What do you mean? Every, every month or something, there's a shooting out here, yeah. a school shooting going on out here. I don't want him to be um, <laughs> going through this. And I mean, I want him home in Ireland playing football and hurling like I did with his cousins, yeah. grow up the same way I done at home. My time is done here. I've enough. I eight good years done in Boston. A lot of good friends made. I'm twelve. I'm fourteen actually here now in San Francisco, and I mean I'm involved in GA here myself. I mean I train a local hurling team here. We get lads out every summer. We get them a place to stay, which is tough enough. They're here for ten mm. weeks. We get them all jobs. I go down training the first night that they all come over, 
ask them who have jobs, who haven't. There's like nine or ten hens up straight away. Well I have done, a lot yeah. of contacts out here. I get them well all done. going. Well done. We look after each other. That's how it should be done. Like I mean, I haven't yeah. even got a phone call from anyone, anyone at home since I got refused planning on what my next move should be. Okay. And that's very frustrating. Okay, Three well. years of my time has been wasted. Whatever about the thousands of euros that I spend, it's money down the drain. Yeah. I don't care, but... Like I said, I'm not a big shot trying to come back and build a house. I just want a simple and house. Can you can you home. come can you come home and build somewhere else or buy somewhere else? I'd have to buy land, but sure, have to put, that, that's my, probably my only option now. Yeah. I mean, my wife is American. She doesn't want a semi-detached house. Like we're living in a semi-detached house for 14 years here. We just want a stand, simple standalone house. Yeah, yeah, and get on with things. Okay. So, Frank, I hope I, hope, I hope, I know I can sense, everyone can sense that listening to you, Frank. Let's hope, maybe we'll hear from other people who might have ideas or whatever. Maybe the powers that be might be saying, given there is a housing crisis, let's, let's, without, yeah, without the country crisis, going. You know, the housing crisis is the county councils won't give planning to people that have their own lands. And, that's that's county, the and the county council, by the way, if they do give planning for me, sure, we'll get a fair whack of money off you. They will get oh, development they do, yeah, fees, they get a fair whack of money off you. Um, yeah, okay. The, okay. Money's down, the money's down the drain there's no comeback it's the, it's the time wasting that has been done three years of my life has been wasted getting my hopes up trying to get this plan in and I haven't even mm-hmm. got a phone call on what my next move should be of anyone and they're fast enough to tell me what people are on my side people okay. on my side they won't even call me and let me know what I should do next well, maybe this, this will prompt something Frank stay, stay well Frank and mind yourself and your wonderful family no problem uh, th- th- God bless you Frank that's Frank O'Rourke out in California by the way Frank is, is looking to move back to Waterford reminds me I should have said it last week I'm, I'm, on Friday week the 27th of January uh, funny Friday is uh, coming from the Kingsley Arms Hotel just outside Cork City all welcome the Kingsley Arms Hotel funny Friday Frank Ford Al Al Forn Packy Frank uh, Declan uh, Doc uh, musicians crack and above all loads of giveaways that's the Kingsley Arms Hotel on Friday week Friday the 27th of uh, January funny Friday Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Now, I mentioned this bizarre case uh, one uh, afternoon there last week when I was talking to Louise uh, around half twelve, and it was the case... uh, raised by Sarah McAnaspey who contacted us and I told you the listeners that her father uh, she had taken her father to the United States of America to look after him but he had a pension but someone, somebody told social welfare the father George had left the country and the pension was immediately stopped. Now there's been developments since we mentioned it. Sarah good afternoon. First of all Sarah give us a background to, to, to the upset. Hi, Joe. Um, I originally returned to Ireland in May of last year um, due to concerns from family and my dad's doctor in regards to um, cognitive decline, significant cognitive decline. And he, um, upon returning to Ireland, I brought him to the doctor Mm -hmm. and the doctor diagnosed him with early onset dementia Mm -hmm. and possible Parkinson's. Mm And he was unable to care for himself. In the meantime, before I left the U.S. and went back to Ireland, I'd been fighting with the HSE to get him care. Okay. Um, 
he received, he was granted three hours a week um, of care. And upon my return to Ireland, I was told by the public health nurse that since I was family and I was back in Ireland, that he was no longer entitled to receive care. Hmm. So my original plan was I booked a ticket for three weeks to stay in Ireland. I ended up in Ireland for over three months. Um, this, the condition of his house was atrocious. Okay. He was living under insane conditions, water running down the walls, mm. solid fuel stoves. He was physically unable to um, bring in coal or logs. Sorry, now my dog has decided to bark. Don't worry, is it? Um, the, uh, so to make a long story short, mm-hmm. um, we were on a waiting list to get him care after his diagnosis with his primary health care physician um, at Wexford Hospital. Meanwhile, he had no transportation to get to Wexford Hospital. Um, and so the so long and the short in as, September. But you you decided. Well, sorry, what prompted you to say, well, I've no I've no option but to bring my dad back with me to the states? Because he had no care. And he was on a waiting list to see a specialist okay. um, in Wexford Hospital for Alzheimer's, dementia, um, a tremor, and Parkinson's. And he was living alone in the country in the middle of nowhere and nobody to look after him. Okay. And he wasn't getting the care that he needed. So I brought him to the U.S. to get care, which he's currently receiving. Okay, and then how soon after arriving in the U.S.? Did you discover his pension was gone, his state pension from Ireland? In November. And how, um, uh, I brought him back here in September, and in November um, I went to pay his credit union and realised there hadn't been a payment from the pension services. Okay. So you rang social welfare, I presume? I did. And what did they tell you that someone had snitched? Yes. They told me they received an anonymous phone call that mm. he was he had left Ireland and was living in the United States, which is completely incorrect. He still owns property in Ireland. He still has a house in Ireland. The only reason he's in the U.S. is for medical care. And I brought him here because of the impending weather in Ireland, because of mm. the threat of power outages in Ireland. They had threatened rolling power outages between the hours of 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. And they were doing it basically region by region. And what is a man supposed to do? An elderly man with Alzheimer's yeah. and Parkinson's okay. with no heat. On his own. Not a, yeah. He doesn't even have the ability to cook for himself. Okay. What was he supposed to do? And no medical care. And no transportation. And did I say why, um, why he was, his pension was cancelled? They said because he was out of the state okay, and he was not entitled to it while he was out of the state. Originally, the first answer I got was he was only allowed out of the state for two weeks out of the year. And then I received so many different emails from so many different people that then they switched to he was allowed out of the state for 13 weeks. Okay. But I had to bring him back to Ireland and present him personally at a social welfare office, and then reapply to get the 13 weeks back pay. 
And but in the meantime, something happened. In the meantime, when you announced um, on your radio show the other day about this situation, all of a sudden he receives a payment into his bank account, a lump sum payment, but no payment since. And the lump sum payment was the 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 money outstanding. Sixteen hundred and one euros. Okay, was the well, mon- no, it the the payment doesn't the payment oh, okay. actually doesn't stay make any sense. Okay. The amount. When you divide it by thir- it's not thirteen weeks. It's not six weeks. It's it not- is not thirteen weeks. No. Okay. But the, but they've they've they deposited sixteen hundred quid to start with. So something is moving. They did. Something is moving. Something is moving. Yeah, but we, in the but, meantime, but we don't, but we don't know what if he do. didn't, we don't know what's moving. Exactly. But in the meantime, it, it, what is somebody supposed to do? And what is an old age pensioner that uh, is sick, that can't live on his own, that has Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and dementia? What else, if they didn't have somebody to advocate on their behalf, what else was an old age pensioner like that supposed to do? And I had no yeah. choice but to bring him back to the U.S. for medical care, which so. he is receiving here. He wasn't on any medication how is, for how is he, his how is he getting, in Ireland. Which brings you to the question, Sarah. How is he getting on out there? How is he settled? Is it difficult he for him is, to settle? It, he misses Ireland. He misses his home. Yeah. That is his home. He has advocated on behalf of the Irish working class people his whole life. He has been on protest after protest. He has marched yeah. the streets his whole life to protest water charges. You name it. He has been there to, to, to advocate on behalf of the working class of the Irish people. And now this has tur- been turned around on him and being done to him. But does he want... When is he's he, is worked he, his whole life. Is he saying to you, Sarah, he wants to come home? He wants... He does. Oh, uh, he still wants to come home. Yeah. But he can't because of his medical condition. But does he have to pay for medical and care in the States, which we know is extraordinarily expensive? Or is that covered? Fortunately... He did. He did live here for a period oh, okay. of time and paid into the system here, and he does receive medical care here. Okay. But it is it is on me one hundred percent financially for everything else. Okay. Well, let's 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 see how things develop, Sarah. Kind regards to you, Sarah, and to George. That's the great George McAnaspey. Joe at RT.ie continues. Uh, Ray Darcy is next, and Annette Egan produced. 0818-715-815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie